Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of filmpulse.net. This is episode number 140. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a week. It's Took been, a week it's, off. It's been a while. We rarely do that, but... Yeah. I was in Orlando last weekend for the Spooky Empire Horror Convention, and uh, it just didn't work out. Mm. We probably could have crammed one in, but... I didn't see much, and it, it probably wouldn't have been a very good show. Probably not. Yep. Probably not. So, since we didn't have a show last week, we'll be playing a bit of catch-up this week and foregoing the What We've Been Watching segment, and we're going to do four reviews today. Oh, boy. Yeah. Do, today you, think we'll that, be, do you think that's too many? Uh, I think it's just right. I think okay. it's just right. All right. I hope so. so. This week we'll be talking about Alex Ross Perry's Listen Up Philip, VHS Viral, Dan Gilroy's Nightcrawler, and the Australian horror film The Babadook, oh, which man. is that's available on demand right now on DirecTV. It'll be available on all the other platforms, I believe, this coming week or next week, pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's uh, November 27th, I want to say. Oh, okay. So, not, not that I, soon. I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I could be wrong. And Yeah, I knew it was like several weeks, but I wasn't sure exactly when. Uh, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Let's just go ahead and jump right into our first review. Kevin, what do you want to start with? We've got four to choose from. What do you, what do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with, let's go with Listen Up Philip first. Okay. Let's save the horror movies for the end. Okay, so we'll, okay, gotcha. So we'll go Listen Up Philip, Nightcrawler. And then we'll just okay. So right. let's jump into it. So listen, listen up, up Philip. This is on demand right now. I'm playing in select cities. Uh, written and directed by Alex Ross Perry. I have a synopsis here. Anger rages in Philip as he awaits the publication of his second novel. He feels pushed out of his adopted home city by the constant crowds and noise, a deteriorating relationship with his photographer girlfriend Ashley, and his own indifference to promoting the novel. When Philip's idol, Ike Zimmerman, offers his isolated summer home as a refuge, he finally gets the peace and quiet to focus on his favorite subject, himself. So I I had the opportunity to see this at Sundance, and I was a big fan of it there. I was able to rewatch it this week. Oh, good. Oh, good. I was hoping you would get the chance. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I gotta say, on a rewatch, I actually liked it more. Oh, boy. And I, I don't know what it was, but for some reason, it, I found it more palatable for some reason, just watching it at home. I don't I don't know why that is, but uh, let, let's go over the cast here real quick. Jason Schwartzman, Elizabeth Moss, Kristen Ritter, and Jonathan Price. So, Kevin, I take it that you love this movie. Oh, yeah. However... Oh, boy. Upon rewatching it, I noticed that there are a lot of things in this movie that you tend to complain about in movies. I know. I know. And that's that's why I find Alex Ross Perry to be so damn talented. He has so many things that I normally don't like, but he's able to present them in such a way that I just, I love it. Yeah. It's mostly his writing. He just... the. The width yeah. that he has in his writing is just pitch perfect. 
I agree. I agree. Love it. Uh, the the biggest thing that you tend to complain about movies is voiceover. This this yeah. movie yeah. is chock full of narration. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say that I did have problems with it at certain times. Like I understand why it's there. I know that you know it's very much structured like a novel. Like a novel. Mm-hmm. It's playing out like a novel. So of course you're gonna have the narration in there, and it makes absolute sense. Uh, for me though, yeah. There were a couple of times where it was just, it was a bit much. To me, the the narration made it feel like a Wes Anderson movie. I definitely got a Wes Anderson vibe. Oh, yeah. Well, that, couple that with the fact of the, when they would show Ike Zimmerman's books. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. per, it, I mean, it's lifted straight from Royal Tenenbaums. Yep. It's it presented the exact same way. And I'm not saying that is a problem, though. Like, I, I didn't have a problem with that at all. Because even though I saw the similarities between this and Wes Anderson, I feel like Alex Ross Perry is different enough that he has his own voice and he's not just copying Wes Anderson or anything like that. The tone of his movies feels very different than a Wes Anderson movie, where Wes Anderson movies tend to be very quirky and and kind of uplifting, sort of. Yeah, they always have... At least to me. They always have that undercurrent of you know, heart and sadness yeah. where Alex whereas, Perry. <laughs> whereas this it pretty much takes the exact opposite <laughs> approach where almost all of the characters are completely deplorable. I mean, they're, they're all very self-centered, self-absorbed people. Oh yeah. I and mean, they are, they're pompous assholes to have a movie where nearly all of the characters are like that. That's tough to pull that off. Because it's very difficult to relate to or like any of the characters. Yeah. No, you now, can't. Elizabeth Moss's character, one could argue that she's a more likable, regular person. Yes, I would agree with that. But but she sort of gets sucked into yeah. Schwartzman's world. Right. And that was one of the interesting things about this movie is that the way that it's structured, it follows Jason Schwartzman's character, Philip. For most of the movie, but it takes these kind of side roads and, and starts to follow Elizabeth Moss's character of Ashley for a while. And then it follows Jonathan Price's character of Ike for a while as well. And I thought that that was a really kind of jarring technique that was used. It is. And it, when I initially saw this at Sundance, it didn't really, wasn't really working for me because... I didn't find their stories nearly as interesting. Now, I understand why they did it, because it was like when they when we see their story, we can kind of see the the it was like a ripple effect, you know, with Philip kind of entering and leaving their lives. And it showed the impact and the influence that he had on their lives and how he kind of changed their lives. And I thought that that was interesting to to see that, but on an initial watch, I just it, it didn't work f- for me. As it is much. it is it is much like you said. It's very jarring. First the first go through, and 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 maybe that's why one of the reasons I liked it more on a rewatch is because I knew I knew that it was going to happen, so it wasn't as odd. Yeah, and I just I I love how he handled the first transition where it transitions into. Moss's story, mm-hmm. how it ends with Kristen Ritter essentially, you know, telling Schwartzman about, you know, treating people 
like they're worthless and then it immediately cuts to Moss's story and it shows her you know getting over him and moving on with her life and being a better person because he's gone now so i like that the the when it went into price's story that one was that one was tough yeah, I didn't... he is such a miserable asshole. Well, the whole time I was <laughs> watching it, I was thinking, this is Philip in mm-hmm. 30, mm-hmm. 30 years. Yeah. You know, and this it, is... yeah. <laughs> Price has given him just the worst advice you could ever give someone. And just the way that he tries to justify everything he's done in his life, even though you can sort of tell that he knows that he's just a deplorable piece of shit. Yeah. But he he keeps himself busy that he never has that self realization that moment. He yeah. sort of keep, he preoccupies himself with other other tasks like Philip. Yeah, because they even say that after Philip leaves and goes to work at the school, that he kind of feels this emptiness and this loneliness after Philip's gone. He kind of looked, I think, at Philip as sort of a pet project, something to keep his mind occupied. Yeah, and plus just his whole. His whole um, self-fulfilling prophecies that, like his relationships that he had with people throughout his life, how he said they were leeches, but he he essentially makes them that way because he he just keeps pushing them further and further away from himself. I think at one point I, I I'm gonna get the quote wrong, but he says something like the only the only endearing thing about these people is that they can they can say that they once knew me or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's just sums up this this guy and how but the, and the really s- yeah the sad thing though is that there's people like that oh yeah there's people that really think that i mean the, act that way the level of narcissism in this movie <laughs> it's <laughs> off the charts, I mean, between, the charts. between jonathan price and jason schwartzman's characters i mean it's if you have a hard time watching movies that have unlikable characters this is going to be a tough one because there are almost no redeeming qualities about no. these people. They are but, horrible. And I'm glad to bring that up because I, I'm always completely confused by people having that philosophy with films. Like, oh, the characters weren't relatable or they weren't likable. And it's like, yeah, there's people exist in the world that aren't relatable right. and or likable. in the world. <laughs> yeah. I think that assholes should be equally represented on film, just like normal people. Because uh, the first thing that really highlighted that for me was back when uh, Killing Them Softly came out. And I remember a bunch of people writing like, oh, these people are just deplorable. And I'm like, they're petty criminals. Of right. course they are. <laughs> what, what do you expect? What are now, you looking for? I've complained about characters in movies in the past, but my big complaint about characters in movies is when they don't act like real people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and there's a big difference between how these characters act in this movie and in uh, i can't think of a good example right now but movies where the characters don't even act like how real human beings would act given whatever how about about american animal yeah does that work i didn't see that movie but i kind of remember from what you told me about that it seems like that's maybe an example you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That is a good example. Why? Thank you. <laughs> I forgot that movie even existed. Honestly, <laughs> I had to. I had to think about it for a second, and I'm like, oh yeah, the one that takes place in the apartment. Um, yeah, that's that is a good example. Those characters are deployable, but they don't act like people. They act like actors 
portraying these characters. Yeah, like and, they're almost caricatures in themselves. And with this movie, the writing of Alex Ross Perry and the performances of these actors, uh, it just it fits. It all fits together. You you do believe that Jason Schwartzman is this pretentious, pompous dickhead of a writer. Yeah, and I mean, you got to say that this character is the perfect Jason Schwartzman character. Yeah, I don't. It's like this is movie. This character is tailor made for Schwartzman. I think in my review, my original review I wrote for this, I compared him to Max Fisher uh, because it does seem like Max Fisher grown up. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities (laughs) in Rushmore. Max Fisher was riding on the success of one play that he wrote many years before. And in Listen Up, Philip, Jason Schwartzman's kind of a dickhead because of the first novel that he wrote. Now, the movie takes place right when his second novel is about to be released. But you have to think that the the way that he is in this movie is probably because of the success of his first novel. Yeah. Because there are several times throughout the film where he interacts with ex-girlfriends and people that he knew in his past and they they kind of alluded to the fact that he wasn't always like that yeah uh i know that the conversation with caitlin shiel indicated that and there were there were a couple other that, that's the other interesting thing that he sort of does in this movie is he seeks out uh former friends and former lovers and basically just wants to meet up with them to be an asshole to them <laughs> essentially yeah because he's such a pathetic person one of my that favorite. He, reali- he realizes it when he's alone. So the only reason he likes to have people around him is to, you know, slyly put them down or just bluntly put them down to make himself feel better. One of my favorite scenes is at the towards the beginning when he meets up with his friend from college just just to bring him down. <laughs> and, he, and he says, "You're just a combination of strange fucking colors." <laughs> That is, I mean, that that line to me sums up everything that Philip is about. He's just such a dick. He truly, you're just truly a combination is. of strange fucking colors. And later, I think it's when he's talking to Moss and he's saying about, oh, you know, this could be this could be really good for us, but mostly for me. Yeah, like he yep. just he has to tag on that little bit just so you know where you stand. Yeah, yeah. He has, we were talking about this off air, he has no filter, he's he's just brutally honest with everyone, and it's like he, he says what comes into his head. And I have problems with that in my own life. I say things that I probably shouldn't out loud. <laughs> uh, uh, I wanted to get back real quick because I forgot to mention something. When they did this switch to, to Price's character... What I found really interesting during that time period is me wondering if Schwartzman was going to come back. And it really kept me interested in how is the rest of this movie going to play out? Mm-hmm. And then when Schwartzman finally does come back and he sort of goes through another love story of sorts. And there's like a moment there where you're like, oh, he's going to be redeemed. Yeah, And you're like, this is really interesting. Is he going to, because re- I was worried that it might be spoiler territory here, but I was kind of worried that Perry would go down that road. I was hoping he wouldn't, and he doesn't, and he does it perfectly. Yeah. The way he ends out this film, it's just, I mean, the writing in this movie, and much like The Color Wheel, too, 
It's just like top-notch stuff. Oh yeah, I think I mean, this it, this is the best written movie of the year for me. It's incredible. I mean the, uh, and the dialogue just. The fact that he has these very high caliber actors delivering these lines, I mean, it's it's perfect. Oh, and I mean, Jonathan Price. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I can't I even mean, remember the last time I saw him, and he just nails it in this movie. He yeah. is unbelievable. And Every, Elizabeth Moss, too. I think this might be her best performance. So I um, thought she was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's up there. It's definitely up there. She had a I, great year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. This, I haven't seen her in a lot of things, but I think this might be the best. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Well, uh, overall, I highly recommend this movie. It's it's great. Now, what did you think of? Because most of this was done in handheld shots. What Ooh. did you think of the look? Ooh, the look was fantastic. I was a little. I was kind of surprised. There's a couple nice quick, I, don't, I don't know if you call it. There's a couple quick zooms in there. there. There's a couple in there. There's a couple in there. But I like how they did. He used a lot of the, uh, a lot of close-ups. Really yeah. good close-up. I mean, people. Uh, at times, it seems like people are going to run into the camera so <laughs> close. It does, but it gives you that sense of how, how self-absorbed these people are. I loved it. I, I thought it was perfect. It's a perfect compliment visually, and much, I loved. Much my, like the color wheel, actually. Yeah. My favorite sequence is the when he meets up with his school buddy and just continues to put him down for what seems like five minutes of yeah. just straight <laughs> tearing this guy apart. And the poor guy is just like, you know, I tried and it didn't work out. And he's just relentless with it. But when he exits the bar yeah. and they have <laughs> yep. the handheld car come around the corner and just the tracking shot of him walking down the street. Oh, my God, that was fantastic. Yep. And my other big thing that I loved completely was the score from Keegan DeWitt. The jazzy. It was almost yeah, like it, it was there the entire time, but it I wasn't uh it wasn't overpowering. No. no. I just I I wanna as soon as it was done, I wanted to watch it again. And I wanted to watch the color wheel again. And then when I'm done the color wheel, I wanna watch Listen Up Philip again. It's just gonna be on loop. Those two movies are gonna be on loop. You need to get a dedicated TV in your house that just has those two playing on loop in the background. It's just I put a TV in every room, and every other room will have Listen Up, Philip, while the other ones have the color wheel. Well, uh, I, yeah, I mean this. The only, I guess, the only thing that I would take away from this movie is the Jonathan Price stuff. I thought was just a little too much, but other than that. Solid movie. Definitely recommend it. If you saw The Color Wheel, you will love this one. Yes. What are you going to give Listen Up, Philip out of 10? I'm at a 9 right now. Nice. I'm going to give it an 8.5. And and definitely check it out. It's available on demand right now. Any final thoughts on it? Uh, Just, I can't recommend it enough. Top 10 material? Oh, easily. (laughs) Easily. Easily. It's not going anywhere. It's staying. Nice. It could even bump up on a rewatch. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one place to go. It just it has me so excited to see what Alex Ross Perry is going to come up with next. I think that he is <clears throat> one of the most promising directors oh, easily. I've, seen, I've seen in a long time. Easily. I'm just... I. It's solidified now. I will watch anything he makes. I don't care who's in it, what it's about. All you have to do is tell me this is the new... 
Alex Ross Perry movie and um, sign me up. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Listen up, Philip. Check it out. Let's move on and talk about Nightcrawler. This is written and directed by Dan Gilroy. I have a synopsis here. When Lou Bloom, a driven a driven man desperate for work, muscles into the world of LA crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. Aiding him in his effort is Nina, a TV news veteran. So this stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Bill Paxton's in there and uh, Rene Russo. Uh, so this is playing in, I think it's a pretty wide release right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you should, you should be able to see this. And I got to say like, uh, when this first started, when I started watching this, I was thinking about the hype because this movie is getting a lot of hype, whole mm-hmm. lot of hype. And as I was watching it at the beginning, I was like, eh, you know, I'm liking it, but I don't see anything amazing here. But as the film went on, I started liking it more and more and more. And everything culminates in that last act for me. I thought it was like so tense. And I thought that Jake Gyllenhaal, just give him the Oscar. Just give <laughs> this man an Oscar. Give it I to think him that, already. I think that this was his best performance. Oh, definitely. And... I mean, he just knocked it out of the park. He was, this guy is, he's a sociopath. I mean, he is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And although he doesn't go around murdering people, you know that this guy he's, has. He's going to. He has one day. N- <laughs> no empathy for anyone at all. And it was just a really interesting character study. It was a really unique movie. And I liked it a lot. What did you think? My my favorite part of how they handled the Lou Bloom character is how they would give little snippets where they would peel back a little bit and mm-hmm. he would have these little outbursts. Like when oh, yeah. he was when, when he, he was, was talking to Rene Russo and he was saying about, you know, not like how it happened in your apartment. Mm-hmm. And he's like flip and you just you don't exactly know what happened. Yeah, they don't show you what happened. But your your imagination just he lets that imagination run wild with it. Because you're like, you already know that this guy's a sociopath. He's just completely mentally unhinged. Just, th- those were handled perfectly for me. But the the actual story itself, it seemed a bit, um, I don't know, I just thought it was very lacking. I, like, was... I, found the, I found the beginning very boring. Yeah. It took, it took entirely too long to get into it. And then it seemed like once it started, once he got into the night crawling business, it seemed to just like fast forward. It felt like he's been in the game 10 years because he has a new car. He has all this money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wh- wait, what the hell happened? But it, in all actuality, it seems like only like half a year has passed. And it's like, how did he make that much money? But I mean, minor quibble. But it just, it got a bit repetitive, I thought. I did, I will agree with you. It did culminate perfectly at the end. I thought that that, would ha- that was handled brilliantly. It's just... It took too long to get up until that point. I thought there's a lot of stuff that could be cut out. But I do have to keep reminding myself that this is a debut feature. Right. Like, I keep thinking that this is, you know, Gilroy's, like, fourth or fifth movie, I guess, from his extensive screenwriting credits. So, I mean, for a debut, it's pretty damn good. I mean, yeah. I have to admit. And especially when you've got that Hall performance in there. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was going into this, I was thinking, well, this has top 10 potential for me. 
but I, I don't I don't know if it'll land on my top ten. It might get an honorable mention or a, a runner up, but uh, that isn't to say I didn't like it. I just I guess maybe it was overhyped for me. I I went in with very high expectations, and it just wasn't quite uh, as crazy as what I expected. I expected it to be something like um, bringing out the dead, mm, okay. you know, where it's just him going out real late at night, shooting this grisly stuff and just being cr- crazy and wild and fast. Uh, but it wasn't quite like that. That being said, it, it's not a bad movie by any stretch. I didn't have a, many problems with it. Uh, one thing that really bothered me though, about this movie and this isn't something that normally gets to me but the score i had a oh yeah (laughs) i couldn't i what is up with that music i hated the score i hated it i mean there was a couple of moments where i'm i'm really hoping that they were using the score uh kind of as a comedic bit yeah and that's that's what i wasn't sure about because there was one sequence where he he brings her the tape and it's in like close-up of Russo and Gyllenhaal talking to each other and they're almost talking like they're talking about sex mm-hmm. but they're talking about you know trying to to negotiate the price of the of his footage and the music that plays during that it's just it renders it really funny and I'm hoping that they were going for comedy in that bit because if not that's the way it came off <laughs> yeah I, I didn't because like I the, thought it was hilarious I didn't like the music at all I had a big problem with that normally that won't bring a movie down for me, but in this case, it actually did bring it down a little bit. So, I found I found the cinematography too to be a bit. You know, it was, it was just it was average. Yeah, and, it and was, that was the thing. It like, was serviceable. Uh, I, but... I believe it was on Ryan watches a movie last week that I mentioned that I was like, well, because we we're talking about laser grids, remember? And <laughs> if if we thought that there were going to be any laser grids in Nightcrawler, and I said, well, it looks like a very stylish movie, so maybe it will have mm-hmm. something like that. But it's not. <laughs> the no. the posters and all the marketing material make it look very stylish, but it's not. It's a very straightforward. Yeah, uh, and it's as far as the cinematography. And it's it's a bummer because it's Robert Ellsworth that does the cinematography. You know, essentially works exclusively well not exclusively but he works a lot with pt anderson mm-hmm. so i so i was pretty excited and from the trailer it looked like it was going to be a very stylish film it, you know it takes place at night and yeah i thought there was going to be the lighting was going to be fantastic and there was going to be all these great shots but now it was just kind of straightforward just very serviceable cinematography it's just kind of a bummer yeah yep i agree i will say that that last act, though, looked great. I uh, I loved everything. How that whole final scene played out, I thought was fantastic, I, and that that's really what brought the movie together for me. Yeah, because did. I'll tell you, my like, I don't easily get worked up over movies during suspenseful scenes, but I was like on the edge of my seat. I thought from, it, from it, the beginning of that, it was handled perfectly, and I just love the shot of just Gyllenhaal's face. When he had the camera out the just sitting on the and he starts moving the car down to get like a tracking shot, mm-hmm. it's just that was perfect. Yeah. That... So it did it did it did finish strong, but there's a bit of repetitiveness going on. And I just yeah. thought the the whole indictment on you know TV news gore. I it felt so dated. 
Because, I mean, we've seen it numerous mm. times before. Yeah, but this, I feel like this was coming at it from a little bit of a different angle because you could see all the behind the scenes stuff. Like uh, the scene when Rene Russo was talking to the anchors through their through their earpieces yeah. and telling them what to say and stuff. We kn- Most people know that that's what happens, but to see it, I thought was really interesting to see how that played out and see how they take these stories and manipulate them in order to essentially manipulate the audience. I thought that that was a cool, a cool way of presenting it. The the only thing I kept asking myself was like, who watches local news? (laughs) Like do, do people actually watch local news still? I mean, you can just, you can see everything on the internet. There's no reason to like older, wait. Older people probably still watch the local news. I guess so. But it's funny because I was thinking about this, what he was doing with the crime, crime uh, journalism, if you want to call it that. And I was thinking about what he does compared to what, say, paparazzi, what they do. It's the same thing. And I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah, it's the same thing, but in a way. What he does is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Because, it is. because people will always want to know stuff about celebrities. They'll always want to see that stuff for some reason. I don't know why. But when, I mean, who, I don't think anybody wants to see someone that gets, that got murdered in their home. Yeah, that's true. Like I can, if you tell me someone was murdered in their home, in a home invasion, I, I have an idea of what it looks like. Yeah. I don't need to see it. There's just, there's no need for it. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. There's just no need to show that kind of stuff. I, I did like his little montage of his, his uh, the beginning of his career. Like how he just <laughs> pulls up to oh, the yeah. guy sitting on the curb and almost, almost hits him. Hits him. <laughs> and then it's the woman doing a breathalyzer. Uh, I thought that that was pretty funny. It's kind of crazy just how... He just dives in head first. I mean, he gets right up in there. He has no shame. He has, he, I don't know. It's, uh, he was an interesting character. And I have to say, uh, Bill Paxton was pretty good. Again, haven't seen Bill Paxton for a while. He's awesome. I, I, everything Bill Paxton's in. And I kept, I kept questioning because I had, all I knew was Joan Hall and Russo were in this movie. So every time it was him, I'm like, is that Bill Paxton? That can't be Bill Paxton. But sure enough, it is. Yeah, he sports a big beard in this. Plus, it was uh, it was good to see uh, Reese Ahmed again mm, mm-hmm. from Four Lions. Even though his That's character, his, yeah, his character was a bit. He felt out of place. I liked him. I liked him too, but he just it felt like a bit much. It's not really his fault. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Well, I don't really have too much else to say. I was let down, but I think a lot of it might just be from the hype. Mostly from the hype because it's still a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I I pretty much agree. I still I still liked it quite a bit. I still recommend checking it out. I don't think it'll land on my top ten, but just wish it had a little more style to it. Yeah, same here. I think it's worth seeing just for Hall's performance alone. Oh, definitely. I mean, he oh god, he just killed it. This guy's good. This guy's been on a tear lately. He was just so good. He played such evil person in this movie he's so disturbing looking yeah yeah the fact that he lost 
thirty pounds, and he just he looks so emaciated, and, and he just it doesn't just, blink. He doesn't blink. Yeah, he has his wide eyes. And I just, time. I just love the fact that if someone doesn't blink, they're just automatically creepy. Like <laughs> yeah. what? It, what is it with blinking that like know. softens people's appearance? I guess it makes them look more human. I know because it's, we're just, it's so weird though. Yeah, because I think that goes for like everyone. I think if you showed someone that doesn't blink to anyone in the world, they would be like, damn, that person's creepy. I th- yeah, I think you're right. Makes them look th- inanimate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone would be like, yeah, they look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, what are you going to give Nightcrawler out of 10? I, mm, I give it a like a soft 7. I'm going to give it a hard 7. Ooh, soft 7 and a hard 7. Yeah. Uh, very close to a seven and a half. Yeah, I could probably give this a seven and a half. No, you, easy. you're no, you're locked in, buddy. Yeah, it's just it's one that I don't think that I'll ever revisit. You no, know, I don't think so. Especially not me. Yeah. yeah, but either way, check it out, Nightcrawler in theaters now. Let's move on to our third review and talk about VHS Viral. All right, so let's get this, this is, out of the way. This is the third entry in the VHS series. If you're not familiar, it's a horror, a found footage anthology series where it's separate short stories and they're normally bookended by some story that happens throughout. Some wraparound. Uh, the synopsis for this one says, follows fame-obsessed teens who unwittingly become stars of the next internet sensation. I don't even understand what that means. <laughs> uh, you know, let's go over the directors here. Uh, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead, big fan of theirs. Yes. Greg Bishop, who he did uh, Dance of the Dead, which was quite good. Really? That's the only thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, it's... it's uh, surprisingly good okay i mean i I, for you i probably would say you don't need to see it because it doesn't do anything amazing it's a a zombie comedy but it actually it's serviceable it works okay it's pretty funny actually um and then we also have marcel sarmiento sarmiento and nacho vigilando now i was gonna i was gonna try to fool you and say that I thought that this was the best one, and I was just gonna, I was gonna ride it out and see how long, <laughs> just, just see, just, just to see, antagonize, me. just to hear, hear your reaction and hear how you handle it if I say that I loved this movie. Uh, but, but you can't just, do it. Can I decided you? not to. You I just, can't I, do it. I got to be honest. Uh, this movie, is it even a movie? Is I, it even a movie? I honestly, in I'm not kidding. In my letterbox review at the very end i say i'm not even sure if i consider this a film oh really <laughs> yeah i'm i i don't know if this is a film i don't know what this is you know my dad was visiting this week and did he actually, see this I, yeah I watched <laughs> it with my dad <laughs> can uh, we get him what can you get him on skype real quick probably not uh, but afterwards he goes I didn't really like that. <laughs> I was like, no, I didn't either. That was it was horrible. The the most disappointing thing about this movie is that it's good directors and it's good writers and it's, yeah, it's a bummer. And why 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 are they doing this? I mean, let's let's go down the list of grievances with this movie. First of all, do we do we have enough time? 
I don't know. <laughs> Might have to rapid fire these. First of all, the the wraparound bookend story is completely nonsensical and stupid and Beyond pointless. Just, it doesn't. I don't get it. I don't. They waste so much time. They waste probably the first five minutes setting up these two characters. <laughs> they abandon, and then they just, and then they pretty much just abandon them. We're like, okay, the out of you're, all of you're now, one, now, like, why, pre- why is there VHS stuff going on? None of these are VHS tapes in the beginning. Yeah. There's just all this like tracking and adjust tracking. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. Well, that's uh, that. That was going to be my next point. So the the idea in the first one and in the second one, but not as much in the second one is that we're meant to believe that these are actual VHS tapes that someone has somewhere. Correct. That, that's why we which, see the tracking and blah, blah, blah. But Which is a great one, idea, because let's face it, VHS tapes are just inherently creepy. They're, uh, they're yeah, creepy. They are. It's, it's a fantastic idea. But that's what bothers me the most about this film anthology series, whatever the hell you want to call it, is after the first one, they completely abandon the yeah, essence the yeah. of what they're trying to do in this one in this one they don't it's they just throw the rules out the window as far as there's no rules as far as found footage mechanics which is weird because the second one that was the biggest grievance i had with the second one is they kind of dropped this whole vhs everything was you know like digital Mm -hmm. and there was there was none of that creepiness going on and then with this one not only do they drop the vhs concept but they don't even adhere to the found footage no. concept. I mean, in the first segment, the uh, what's the first segment called? The Dante the Great with the magician. Yeah, Don, Dante the Great. In the first segment, they get rid of the found footage altogether. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's certain times where they cut, and there is no there's no explanation oh, yeah. as to nope. where those camera angles are coming from. Nope. There's just it's like a hybrid of documentary. And just movie. Like, it's barely found footage at all, except for the tapes that they find. And they put in these stupid interviews in that one where it was just broke. It broke the mechanics even more. Plus, it just feels wholly out of place because it was just, it was stupid funny. It was, uh, you know what what that one felt like to me? It felt like uh, an episode of Tales from the Crypt. That's what that one felt like to me. Yeah, that sounds, I would agree with that. Which, it, you know, there was actually a couple sequences in that short that I thought were funny. Like when yeah. he first does the cloak and he freaks out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, then, was... and then when him and the girl are fighting over it and the birds just come out and hit her in the face. <laughs> there, was a, there was a couple special effects things in that one that I liked that I thought was cool. And I think that the concept of that, a cloak that you can kind of do anything with, but you got to feed it. Demon I think the, cloak. I think that's kind of cool too, but the execution of that one was awful. And... Which is which is funny because the other day I was watching a French movie uh, where a guy wears a cloak. People just used to wear cloaks. Yeah, just wear cloaks around. That's like clo- cloaks were a thing. Why doesn't someone bring back cloaks? I wish someone would bring back cloaks. <laughs> People were fucking cloaks, man. Can you imagine if everybody walked around wearing cloaks. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love thinking about it. I love thinking about like New York City, crowded crowded street. Every everybody's wearing cloaks. 
Oh man. Uh, and then you'd have like your off-brand cloaks, the ch- the cheap ones, and the, yeah, the, the, the and kids everyone wear those at school, those. get made fun of. Yeah. Oh they, man, I would. I feel so bad for the kids that have off-brand cloaks. The, be awful. The, pay, the payless cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, but we got sidetracked. Yeah, anyway. see, see, that's there. You go. That's kind of this movie in a nutshell. You would much rather talk about the comeback of cloaks then watch this movie or discuss this movie okay that speaks volumes to what we're dealing with here yeah because i want to seriously just talk more about cloaks (laughs) but we can't (laughs) okay gotta move on so let's let's move on to the the next segment which was nacho vigalando's uh parallel monsters now this to me this was the best of the three this was the high point but i still didn't like it no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it sucks too because this one starts off really good at least to me the the found footage was it made sense it was a guy you know filming this experiment and it all it all made sense to me and it was once they switch once they switch and he gets upstairs in the bedroom and there's all this stuff going on but there's nothing really on the screen like in the actual frames but you're like you're just creeped out because you know something terrible is happening right it's just and, it's very bizarre and i which, will say it holds your interest and i will i will also say this this is the only one that i found to be even remotely scary oh yeah and no. that's that's the big we thing did. about this movie <laughs> this movie's not scary at all well that's the funny thing they don't go for it's like they're not even trying to be scary they're not even trying to be like creepy. They're not even trying to be unsettling or eerie or any like it's almost as if they don't really know what the hell they're doing anymore. Yeah. I'm just so confused. Like first- I didn't like the first two. You know, there's no surprise there. I didn't like them. But man, this one they had moments, makes though. yeah, this one makes the first two look like fucking masterpieces. Yeah. It makes them look like Oscar contenders. Like I mean, horror classics. I mean, this is just an abomination. So the the premise of the the Vigilando one is that this guy creates a, a portal, a doorway into a parallel dimension or universe. And as it turns out, the other person in that in that other universe was doing the same exact thing, and they decide to switch universes for fifteen minutes and. It, at first, everything seems normal, but very quickly, you come to find that the other universe is not exactly the same. No. And... There's <laughs> one huge difference. <laughs> yeah. So, that one, I will say, I thought, by far, was the best, the most interesting. Yes. I will agree. For the... You know, I, I say I didn't really... I didn't... I, I don't really like it, but it, was, it wasn't that bad. Uh, no, but but you do wonder if that's if it gets bumped up a little bit because of what surrounds right. it. Right. So so if the, you if know the, if you saw that just on its own, would you be would you be as excited for it? Well, probably not. I mean, it's just it's kind of like an say, oasis in the middle of the desert. Right. So let's say if this if the Nacho Vigalando segment was grouped in in VHS two with the. Uh, the uh, Gareth Evans one. Yeah, you would be. I would. I would pick the <laughs> Gareth Evans one. Yes. 
without a doubt. So anyway, the the next one, the third one's called Bone Storm, and it was Bone directed Storm. by Aaron Moorhead and uh, Justin Benson, who did Resolution, which we both love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, again, I thought that the premise of this was kind of cool. It was a bunch of kids shooting a skate video. And Made sense. Made sense. Yeah, there were tons of GoPros used. So the found footage at first is justified. It makes sense. But again, with this one, it quickly falls apart. And my big question is, once these... Okay, so at one point, they're skating. And this is right when they get to their spot. And the one kid falls and drops of blood, hit the ground, and catch on fire. Okay? Once that happens, <laughs> you leave. You no, get you out of there. <laughs> no, you just chalk it up to Mexico and you keep going. Okay? Mexico's and then, a crazy place. And then these these things show up, these skeleton creatures, and they, they ignore them. They, it was so bizarre, the actions of these kids. <laughs> they just none keep, of it, none just of it made any skating. sense. It made no sense whatsoever. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, now there's a whole bunch of these people. We better kill them. So then they start killing them. The one kid pulls out a gun and starts shooting them. It's like, yeah. where did he get a gun? Yeah. Well, I mean, he did have it earlier. Where he's shooting it off, but it is kind of like, what? Like, that seems like a huge convenience. Just be like, oh, yeah, I have a gun. Just start shooting, mowing them down. The only thing I liked about that one was some of the, some of the camera, some of the shots they did looked really cool. Uh, especially whenever they <clears throat> smash somebody in the face with a skateboard. I liked all that stuff. It did. It was, the effects were really good, I thought, in that one. Especially with the the skeleton people mm-hmm. towards the end. Yeah, but they did they did some stuff. Uh, some of it didn't look too good, like the some, fire blood and stuff looked a little. They used some CG uh, in this that I was not into. There was one scene I can't. I think it might have been at the very end. It it was. Never mind. I won't. We'll we'll get to that. But um, yeah, with Bone Storm, I just the kids in it were just stupid douchebags and you didn't care what happened to them and i love how their one buddy gets i think he got his arms ripped off or something <laughs> and apparently their friends get their arms ripped off all the time because they, they barely react at all no they're reaction just... no reaction their buddy gets killed right in front of them and they're not even doing anything like they're not upset it's just it's nothing to them it's like it's like uh Bone Storm is just a group of Jake Gyllenhaal's from Nightcrawler. <laughs> they just do not give a fuck. The the only thing I didn't like about that um, that section was like I understood all the GoPros and everything, but the ones that were like the helmet mounted, where it was just it would just so their show their face. face. Yeah, Stupid. it's just like pointless. This, this is adding nothing at all. But it was kind of like a just a crazy excess of just gore and whatnot that was yeah was kind, it was kind of fun i didn't i wouldn't say i did i didn't hate it and i have to say that the only good thing about vhs viral compared to the other two is there was no movie that or no short that had ridiculous shaky cam that i couldn't tell what the hell was going on yeah there was none of that it was just everything was just completely uninspired yeah which <laughs> i don't know 
and I'm not sure what's worse. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> they I think just, they're both pretty. Can we just be done? Can we be done? Because these just these went downhill. Yeah, fast. these are. Th- th- this has to be the last one. And I, I mean, they, they didn't. Even, they didn't even start high. So wow. After the Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead segment, we go back to the bookend thing, and the the final thing was pretty long. I thought. Uh, I don't know if it was longer than the. Uh, it seemed longer than the other ones to me. No. But that was just terrible. The end. The way that they ended that there's a scene at the end where they show the guy and I think his nose is bleeding, but it was CG. <laughs> it was a CG nosebleed and it looked so bad. Yeah. That wraparound was just terrible. The only Plus part the fact that he has like, what is it? Was it his a cell phone camera or something where like most of the action is just his cell phone pointed at his face while he's riding his bike. Yeah. And you're just like, what, what are you adding to any of this? Yep. I mean, it feels bloated even at what it's only like an hour and 20 minutes, but it still feels bloated. And yeah. what, what was the point of the, uh, this is where I'm kind of confused. The, the cookout dog kill slaughter thing, like what short does that belong to? I have no idea. <laughs> and then the taxi, whatever the hell was going on there with the girl undressing and whatnot. Well, I think what I, does that what, what I think is, what the what's supposed to be happening is that that ice cream truck is driving around and it's emitting some sort of signal that makes people kill each other. I think that's what it's supposed to be. I I don't know what the hell it's supposed to be. Because it seems like every everywhere every, every place that that truck goes, uh, people start dying and killing each other and stuff. Hmm. But it, it again, it doesn't make any sense. I. The only part of that that I liked was the part where the guy gets stuck on the truck and it drags him. Mm. And you see it, it starts driving faster and faster and you just see it ripping his clothes and then you just see red. That, so his feet turn into stumps. Yeah, that was pretty intense. But the but way I, that it was shot, you could barely see anything. But I, I must say, though, that my favorite part about this entire movie is that at one point it ended <laughs> which is the biggest positive yes point yeah. for vhs viral <laughs> which again like you said is there's good directors here and it just makes it hurt even more that's that's the part that really gets me is that i like everybody involved in this in this movie all the directors at least and it's just i don't know it's it's just stuff 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 but, so, uh, let's go ahead and give this thing a score. I'm going to give VHS Viral a 1 out of 10. Oh my god, we agree on a VHS Viral. Or, yeah, for a VHS movie. <laughs> Finally. Finally, yeah, we agree. We are on the exact same page. I also give it a 1. I just couldn't stand it. Because I actually... you didn't like the You didn't like the second one, but I did. I actually liked the second one. And... Going from that to this, <laughs> huge step down. So that was that was mm. yeah. Uh, if you want to see it, VHS Viral is playing on demand. However, be be forewarned, it's not even close to the first two. So if you didn't like the first two, definitely avoid this one. All right, let's move yes. on to our final review for the day. We're talking about the Babadook. 
This is written and directed by Jennifer Kent. Love to see these female horror directors coming up. I feel like we have more now than ever before, and I love to see that. Especially when they actually do good things. Yes, definitely. (laughs) You, You still have to do good things. So the synopsis for this says, A single mother plagued by the violent death of her husband battles with her son's fear of a monster lurking in the house, but soon discovers a sinister presence all around her. Uh, This is an Australian film and stars uh, S.C. Davis and Daniel Henshaw. Those are the main two characters, right? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes IMDb switches it up. Oh, they do. No, wait. Kevin. Wait a second. No, not the same two. Not the right two. No, Daniel Henshaw is the... It says Robbie. The employee. The employee from Snowtown. Oh, yeah. Noah Noah Wiseman is the one that plays Samuel, the young kid. I do like Daniel Henshaw. He's in that show on AMC, uh, Turn. Turn. Yeah, he's awesome in that. Anyway, Kevin, what did you think of The Babadook? Oh, The Babadook. This was a a bit different. This is not really what I was expecting. I thought that there was going to be some more horror elements going on. I thought there'd be a little more Babadook in my Babadook. <laughs> but uh, it was still good. I still enjoyed it. But it just, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. It, it's more of a... It's more of like a... It's more of a psychological thriller. Yeah, more of like a character study of a, you know, a woman that hasn't gotten over the death of her husband, which happened, you know, the almost, day that her son was born. Right, six so, years Almost seven years. So Samuel is, of course, a constant reminder of what happened. Probably the worst day of her life, but also kind of the best day, I guess. Like, that's kind of a shitty situation to be in. (laughs) To be that poor kid. But also the fact that he has a lot of behavioral problems. Which is the main thing that I really liked about the Babadook was the buildup. I Mm -hmm. thought that the first like third of the movie did a brilliant job of like putting you in her headspace. Right. Like where this kid is just constantly wailing Yeah, and he just wants attention. And it's just after a point in time, you're like, Oh my God, this kid is too much to handle. And then they throw Babadook at you. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's sort of reminded me of, we need to talk about Kevin and just how they, Tilda Swinton was trying to deal with him and just how it just, I'm not a, I don't have a kid, so I don't know what it's like, but I'm sure that parents can relate when they have young children, especially ones that have problems, behavioral problems, that it just feels like a pounding Mm -hmm. and it just keeps getting louder and louder and it never stops. And And as you're watching the movie, you're just like, oh my God, I'm going crazy. I'm losing it. This fucking kid. Oh my God, this kid. (laughs) And uh, the nice little thing that I liked, and I think you will understand this maybe other people won't because they might not have the background that we do but i love the fact that she also worked at a nursing home mm-hmm. which is that even when she's away from her kid it's she's still, dealing she's dealing with other kids yeah it's still grading because i don't she think was like people, an activities director or something too which made even worse I don't, I don't think people realize how uh elderly people in nursing homes and stuff how much how the large majority of them act like little kids like which is the best when she takes up the coffee to the woman she's like here's your coffee with creamer 
because I'm sure she wants it every single day that way. But that day she's like, I don't want creamer. Mm-hmm. Just like a fucking kid. Doesn't make any that, sense. I think the best scene that represented that was the bingo. Just because <laughs> she's standing there and you could just tell she's just so just done with everything. Mm-hmm. And she's slowly turning the wheel and you just hear the balls clanging and you're just like, oh boy. That was the thing. And you, <laughs> she knows that someone had bingo like 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. But they just don't fucking realize. That was the thing that the, the sound in this movie really, really aided a lot of the, the, the thematic elements that were happening. Uh, yeah. the, sound, the sound was very precise and very clear and very loud. And everything was accentuated. Mm-hmm. And it kind of elevated the, the dread and the stress of this movie. And it, I like that a lot. That coupled with the editing at the beginning. Oh, where, man. You know, the, the mother's trying to have a conversation. They kept cutting to Samuel, like, screaming out, Mom, Mom, look at me. Yeah. And it would cut back, and then it would, and then it would just automatically smash cut to him, like, screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah, the editing in this movie is so good. It's just, it's so frenetic. And I love the how they did the stop motion, sort of a time lapse to... Uh, show the passage of time like when she'd be up all night and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and when she that i thought that that was a really nice touch i really liked the inclusion of that um but visually i thought that this was far better than most of the supernatural horror movies that we've seen as Mm -hmm. of late yeah uh just their house i mean they have a creepy house like who who paints your house was it it was like gray or like this really dark blue (laughs) It's like gray or like like uh like a slate blue. It's just like, oh my god, get some color in your house. Yeah, their house is completely colorless. But oh, it, it looked it really made everything look more creepy and I I loved just the visuals in this movie. A lot of, a lot of the little camera tricks that they used I thought were cool and, and really worked to the film's benefit and anytime the Babadook showed up I was dude. The Babadook's I was my voice. Pants. The Babadook's voice. <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, that's the only thing for me that was kind of like a letdown because I thought, obviously, I thought there was going to be more Babadook action going on, but he doesn't really do that much. Mm-mm. He only pops up a little bit, which I guess, in a sense, it kind of works in this like scaring through restraint type deal. But at the same time, it, a bit of a letdown. Because it well, plays out more of just like her like postpartum right. psychosis and, mixed with PTSD and you know the pill also, popping and everything. I mean, also you could you could surmise that there is no Babadook. Mm-hmm. And oh no, there's not. Yeah, everything that's happening is in her head, and she's just she's losing it. She's had a psychotic oh, yeah. break, and I, and I don't think that's a big spoiler. They they kind of plant that seed very early on. So the whole movie, you're essentially trying to figure out if this is real or if this is something that's in her head. And Which, it starts out, the kid thinks it's real because of reading the book. And then right. they get some medication to get some sleep, even though she doesn't get any sleep, which is why the psychosis, she has her snap or whatever, and starts hallucinating and everything. And then the kid stops taking the medicine, and he doesn't see it anymore. He doesn't even mention it anymore so now he's taken he's taken over the role of the dead father where he's protecting his mom and she goes ape shit 
the thing that and everything gets terrifying and yeah. there's cockroaches which are nasty that scene yeah that scene cockroaches boat, just always get me I don't... the scene in the kitchen and the scene when they were driving both. oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was un- unsettling the the scene where it comes over her bed uh, i thought it was very creepy too i loved all the effects work when they do show the babadook i thought it was awesome looking did he I, when they first showed the babadook when he was in the the neighbor's house yeah. he looked like keith ledger as the joker yeah, which a little I, bit which i thought was a little bit of like an artist's rendering it's not that's not how i was expecting my babadook to look i was cool with it i liked it and I liked just the little touches, like when she saw the suit and the hat at the police station. Yes, and that was nice. That was a nice touch. Little, little things little things like that I liked. And how he would pop up. And for some reason, she's watching old Malay's movies. Oh, yeah, that was like, great. Apparently, apparently, they show those in Australia on TV. That was great. And he kept popping up in those. That was fantastic. The One of the only issues I had, uh, sort of issues, uh, I didn't quite understand the end. Um and I can't really say it without giving it away, but sort of the the epilogue after the big thing that happens, the the final act. Uh, there's a little thing that they show. Oh, when she toward towards the end of her and the basement, she, and yeah, when she goes into the basement. That I just read that as she finally came to terms with it. The Babadook's voice. Whoa. Yeah, it was like that kind of it, it kind of uh uh. Well, there's another movie that used that. I don't know if it was The Grudge. But there, there have been several other movies that use that kind of when you inhale. Yeah. And make that the, clicking sound. He calls her up on the phone. That was cool. Yeah, I liked that. That was my only problem with my biggest complaint with the Babadook is there's a bit too many instances where the dialogue kind of explains what's happening. Like it's a bit too on point. Uh, it just. Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with that. Where you know, where she's like visiting the neighbor, and she's just like, "Oh, we just needed some time to work through some things." It's like, "Yeah, we know. You don't have to tell us. <laughs> we just we saw it. We just saw it happen." Yeah, um, I can't really say anything more about the actual plot without giving anything away. I think this is uh, <clears throat> a good movie to go into cold, not knowing anything about it. Just know that. It's probably one of the best horror movies of the year, I would say. It's yes. de- definitely one of the best made horror movies. It looks great. It's got this uh, kind of dreadful vibe the whole time. I mean, the whole time you're watching it, from from the opening scene of yes. the, the car oh, accident, yeah. how they did it, they did it in slow motion, but they kept it fixed on her and her reaction, and then they did it, uh, I believe they reversed it, right, after they... Little, before I, she woke up yeah a little bit do a little bit of the reverse just from that opening scene the whole movie you're just feeling awful like you know at any moment you know something's gonna happen and that was the other thing stuff happens during the day in this movie it just happens randomly and i like that in horror movies i don't think that weird occurrences should be just happening yeah night. yeah that's one of the main problems i have with horror movies that they keep everything at night, which makes everything extremely predictable. Because you know if like you know the scenes safe. taking yeah if the scenes taking place yeah. in the daytime, you're like okay nothing's gonna happen. But as soon as it gets like dark or late night, you're like okay so here we go coming. here we go <laughs> oh boy. I mean I get it I get it that 
at nighttime, the dark atmosphere makes it more scary. But if you watch a movie and right at the beginning, something happens and it's during the day. You know that okay, all bets are off. We're never going to be safe. Yeah, I all have bets to be, are off. I have to so be on my toes here. Something could happen at any point in time. So for the rest of the movie, you're thinking is when when's the next thing going to happen? Because it doesn't matter if it's day or night or if they're at home. Because that's the other thing. You know, a lot of these haunted house movies, if they're not at their house, you know that okay, nothing's going to happen. But not in this movie. It can happen anywhere at any time. That's and right. I like that because it's all in her head. Or maybe the Babadook's real. Or maybe the Babadook is real. You never know. You never know. You'll find out if the Babadook calls you. Yeah. Then you'll know. All right. Let's go ahead and give a rating on the Babadook. What are you What are you going to give the Babadook out of 10? Did I Did I rate VHS first? Are we on you or do you want me to? It's, it's on me. It's okay. on me. Which to me is... I'm going to go... Mm, I'm like a seven and a half. I'm also giving it a seven and a half. God damn. Look at us. Look yeah, at we're us. on the same page today. Even, I, even I don't know the, if that's good or bad. Even with the, the week even with the week off, man. Even with the week off. Plus I we didn't mention the performances are fantastic. Yeah, the kid at first I you know how I am with child actors, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I know. And at first I was like, I don't know about this kid. I do not know about this kid. But he he grew on me and I thought that he just what happens later on in the movie and the kind of range that he has to to do in this, I thought I, he, was, he did a pretty great job. And I love how he ends up using all of his all of his uh, weaponry and his booby yeah, I like traps. That. I liked that. That was cool. And his I, magician skills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff. Um, the the uh, Essie Davis, she reminded me of Emily Watson. The whole time I was watching it, I had this Emily Watson vibe. I can see that. It's not so much... I mean, she does kind of look like Emily Watson, but it was just the way that she acted and her mannerisms and things like that. I just The whole time I was getting this Watson vibe. She has that... Uh, her look of being worn down mm-hmm. matches Watson's look yeah. of being worn down. Yeah, definitely. But I thought she was great. I mean, just... <laughs> I felt so bad for her the whole time because she wasn't getting any support from her her sister or friends. The only, oh, the only yeah. person that was that was supporting her was the neighbor. Which, and I mean, she's kind of limited, right? And what she can provide, but yeah, her sister, Jesus, what a piece of shit! What a bee! <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh. And you know what? I'd shove that little kid out my tree uh, out of the treehouse door. Are you kidding me? I'd do that. I high five the screen when that happened. Put Absolutely. her in a fucking place. So if you have DirecTV, you can check out the Babadook now. It is available on demand there. Uh, if not, it looks like it'll be in theaters November twenty eighth and on demand. Is it the same time? Uh, yeah, twenty eighth. Nice. <clears throat> All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Now, we didn't predict anything last week. Uh, Let me just go ahead and pull up the numbers here. We can read them off anyway. Uh, The week before last, we predicted John Wick. You said 82. I said 85. Actual 85. So we didn't talk about this on the show because we we didn't do it one last week. But I did see John Wick, and I highly recommend it. 
So yeah. great revenge movie. It is badass. I do want to see this. It is awesome. Loved it. So check that one out. Ouija, you said four. I said 14. Actual eight. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't believe they made a fucking movie about Ouija. Oh, yeah. Uh, they re- they re-released Saul in theaters this week, uh, and that got a forty-eight okay. percent. Nightcrawler got a ninety-four. Wow. Yeah. Before I go to sleep, which I don't even know what that is. Is that Nicole Kidman? It's Nicole Kidman, but I don't remember. That's all I know. This is Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah, Colin Firth's in it too, but I don't know. That got a thirty-eight. Uh, Horns hit theaters. That got a forty-four. And I believe earlier this week in Select Cities, the uh, Godard movie, Vital Language don't, 3D. Don't do that to me. I'm trying to forget that that even exists because I'm never going to get to see it the way it's supposed to be seen. That's the thing. It just thing. irritates the shit out of me. And and from what I read, you have to see it in 3D. I know. It's, it's meant to see it to be seen in 3D. <clears throat> I get just like it so pissed off just thinking about the exclusive nature of movies with new york and la and it just pisses me off yeah it is it does kind of suck but that got an 89 if you're curious next week we have a big one interstellar christopher nolan which this movie's finally starting to look good oh okay finally around on it huh saw a trailer in front of a nightcrawler Makes it look a bit better. Was it the one with the giant wave where they think it's a mountain? Yes. Yeah, yes. That's pretty epic. It looks... Now I'm interested. First time through, I was just like... Eh. So there are eh. there have been some reviews coming out for this one already. Don't, don't tell me anything. Well, no. Nah, I was just going to give your, the, the current score. You keep your goddamn mouth shut. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and predict 82 on interstellar okay all right i'm gonna predict 86 all right we also have big hero 6 which is the disney animated film i'll probably be checking this one out i'm interested in it the the few trailers i've seen have me interested this is the first this is actually based on a marvel property but it's not marvel studios this is just disney animation that's making it so Oh, okay. Kind of, kind of interesting. All right. Looks fun. Looks funny. I never read the the comic that it's based on. I don't know if it's a graphic novel or a comic or what, but never read it. But I am interested. So, what are you thinking on Big Hero Six? Big Hero Six. I'm gonna go ninety. Ninety. Hmm. I have a feeling they're gonna like this one. I have a feeling they're. Like the, you know, it's animated. It's superhero movie too. It does look pretty fun. Yeah, I'm gonna say. 89 on that one i see i see how it is i don't know if this one is getting a a wide release i think it may be but there's a horror movie coming out called jezebel uh which i don't i don't know too much about i know it's a pg-13 horror movie i see what they did there i see what they did there jezebel clever i don't get it jezebel but it's jezebel i guess yeah I don't think it's that clever. <laughs> no, I don't think it's clever either. But this is right. wait, hold up a sec. This is Robert Ben Grant. What? Yeah, it's Travis Junior. Reno nine one one. He's the writer. Uh, oh yes, it is interesting. Are you, really? 
Hmm. Is the internet wrong? I feel like the internet's wrong, but it can't be, right? Uh, well. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm baffled. I do like uh, Sarah Snook, the the main character of this movie. I like her. So I have no idea who she is. Uh, she was in that movie Predestination. It's not. It didn't. It didn't come out yet. But Ryan, I saw it at South by, and I, I wasn't okay. really into the movie, but I thought that she did a pretty fantastic job in it. Okay. Um, I I, I don't really know what to think about this because I I saw one trailer, but I remember almost nothing about it, and it. Yeah, it just doesn't... I don't know what to think. So I'll just throw out a number and say 56. I'm going to say 47. There we go. In limited release next week, we have The Theory of Everything, which is the Stephen Hawking biopic with Eddie Redmayne. Heard, mm-hmm. I, I heard that he does a, an amazing job. But, I mean, really, are you surprised? Like, out of all the movies, out of all the Oscar Beatty movies that come out... <laughs> A biopic about Stephen Hawking. Of course that's going to get... Mm-hmm. I would say out of all of the possible Oscar nominees, the only one that I can be 100% sure of is his nomination for that movie. <laughs> and I haven't yes. even seen it, but... You are correct. What do you think of the movie, though? What do you Are you interested? Uh, I guess. Like, a little bit. I mean, not a lot. But yeah. I, don't, you might, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really seen anything about it. The only thing I've seen is a lot of good reviews saying that it's fantastic. So I guess so. Biopic. I'm just never sure about biopics. I, I know. You know. I know exactly what you're saying. But the, I'm not a big fan of them either. Every time I see the trailer, it gets me though. It's a pretty pretty heavy trailer. Gets me choked up. Oh, gets you a little choked up there. Not every time. Probably the first time I you, saw it. God damn it! You just said every time. Well, it doesn't get me choked up every time, but it makes okay. me feel emotional every time. Uh, I gotcha. We also have Merry Friggin' Christmas, which is one of Robin Williams' last roles, unfortunately, because it looks pretty bad. Oh, that's unfortunate. I don't know if you saw a trailer for that, but just it does not look good. Uh, Why Don't You Play in Hell? Yes. Which I believe we'll, we'll be reviewing uh, that next mm? week. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm sure it will be reviewed. That hits VOD also. Oh my god, yes. Thank you. And uh, Nacho Vigalando's Open Windows gets a limited release in theaters. That's playing Holy on demand. Sh- that's finally coming out? Well, it's on demand. It's been on demand for a couple weeks. So oh, okay. You Never can, mind. You can see it on demand. but it's. It just it feels like we've been. That's one of those movies that we've been talking about for like two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. It's just every week. There, there's, there's always a few of them. There's always a few of them that we that seem to pop up every week. They just never go away. Next week on video on demand, we have Life Partners. I don't know anything about <clears> that. Okay. Elsa and Fred. Yeah. The Lookalike. I did. You're losing me on all these. <laughs> I think the Lookalike is with Justin Long. That's all I know about that. Jezebel. Okay. okay. Oh, so Jezebel's getting a VOD release next week too. Okay, I'll probably I'll probably see it then. A Merry Friggin' Christmas and Why Don't You Play in Hell? I definitely recommend seeing Why Don't You Play in Hell. I I haven't seen it, but I heard good things and it looks like it's something that's right up my alley. So, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Sono Sian Sono. Big Sean fan of Sono. His. Oh man, loved Cold Fish. 
liked Noriko's Dinner Table and loved Suicide Club. Oh, yeah. So This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. It looks crazy. That is fun as a Sono movie can be. Yeah. A renegade film crew becomes embroiled with the Yakuza clan feud. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the trailer for this? No, I haven't. I don't want to see anything about it. I just want to watch it. Well, it's Draft House is putting it out, so they made a new trailer, and it's pretty amazing. It's, oh, man. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have About Alex, uh, which is with Aubrey Plaza. Speaking of Aubrey Plaza, I saw a trailer for the Angry Cat Christmas special. Do you know what? those YouTube videos, the Angry Cat YouTube videos? Or Grumpy Cat, sorry. Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat. Okay, wait. They wait a second. A, they made a freaking movie. A Grumpy Cat movie. Grumpy Cat's worst Christmas ever is what you're talking about, yes. right? Yes, yes. Okay, so wait. She plays the voice of Grumpy Cat. Yes. I saw the trailer. It's a Lifetime movie. And I saw the trailer for it last night, and I was like, this is unbelievable. It's like, look who's talking. <laughs> with the fucking cat oh my god you gotta be kidding me yeah i don't know what she was thinking of that they must have paid her a lot of money um also on dvd and blu-ray we have the dog so i recommend checking that out documentary about uh, the man behind dog day afternoon maleficent a most wanted man <laughs> i don't know why but every time you say that title it makes me laugh maleficent <laughs> uh, stop it land ho Definitely recommend it. Guys are love. Oh yeah. Uh, (laughs) Check out, check out Kevin's Twitter. He posted up a very nice drawing of uh, what's his name? Earl. Earl Lynn Nelson. Earl Lynn Nelson. (laughs) Exclaiming his love of geysers. Oh, it's fantastic. So I was, which I wanted to mention, maybe that could be a Patreon type deal. Thingy thingy type, whatever. I can do those. Yeah. Uh, Planes, Fire and Rescue. Sure. Uh, the one I love. Step Up All In and Premature. So pretty, uh, there's some There's some good stuff in there. I'd check out Land Ho, Most Wanted Man, and The Dog for sure. Yeah. Any Criterions? Yeah, definitely. There, no, there's no Criterions. No Criterions next oh, no. week. So. It looks like there's some stuff you could check out on demand. There's plenty, plenty of stuff to watch out there. So. There's so much to watch out there. Well, it's kind of I, overwhelming at times, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last couple weeks, there's been a lot of stuff. But I think it's going to slow down a little bit. And then it'll start picking up this month, later this month, for award season. I think that that will wrap it up for the day. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. (laughs) They get eaten by the fucking whatever in the basement. The Babadook.